We're operating in a worldview and a theology. We're like, no, no, no. Your relationship with your matters. Your relationship with your soul matters. There's this place as an artist where everyone else is running for cover from the rain. You want to climb the church steeple and you want to get struck by lightning. At the end of the day, you don't get a medal for being in pain and not taking anything. All you do is hurt everyone around you. John kind of thinks for a moment and he goes, This is the thing that I would want every young man to know. And this is why we don't do a musical podcast. In case any of you guys had wondered, like, this whole time. Now you know. Um, what do we got today, Blaine? Today we are talking about marriage. Yeah, we actually had um, Sam Jolman, who's written for us a few times in the past. He's a counselor here practicing in Carlisle Springs. Um, and he wrote an article for us in a recent issue of Ansons on how men need romance, not just sex. And we thought it was so good that we actually wanted to have him in the studio and kind of expand on that conversation, go into it in some more details and some other ways and share some different stories. So if you haven't read the article yet, go to ansonsmagazine.com when you're done listening to this podcast and search for Men Need Romance, Not Just Sex. But whether or not you have, stay tuned for a show that investigates romance, the development of the masculine soul, and a really surprising answer to what Sam thinks a man should do in response to his sexuality. Yeah, this could be a podcast about a lot. Totally could be. Yeah. Birth stories. Yeah, you just had a son? Daughter? Son. son. son? Third, yep. oh. Third son. Yes. What's his name? His name is Wesley Jack. Wesley Jack. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He sounds like a sailor. Ah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jolman means uh, boatman. It's Dutch for like sailor. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, fascinating, huh? Boatman. Um, really <laughs> so it's a little to be <laughs> desired. Literally, it means, yeah. The yawl is a cousin to the yacht. Oh. So yacht means hunter. It's Dutch. The Dutch had like one of the best navies. They guarded all of the shipping ways. So. Right, they had quite yeah. the empire at yeah. one point in time. Yeah. So. so Wesley actually is closer to a boatman than I knew. Yes, yes. Maybe uh, he'll carry that on. And just That's in brief, awesome. how's it been over there in the Joelman in the Boatman <laughs> household with birth, another infant? <laughs> yeah. Um, good, good. Three feels like complete for us. So mm. we we had a desire for three. So three feels easier than two. Easier, seriously. Easier, strangely. Wow. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's zone defense now. There's less like sense of control. You just sort of like, all right. It can't be Amanda Man. You have to like just know this <laughs> is my territory. That's because Amanda had three arms. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so speaking of babies, <laughs> sex. <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah, babies didn't come from nowhere. For you guys who didn't catch the article in our winter issue of uh, 2017. I was trying to remember which issue it was as I was saying that. You can go back, Sam Jolman, and basically all I need to give you is the title, Men Need Romance, Not Just Sex. 
So I think where I want to start is where did that uh, topic begin to come online for you? What had you thinking about the tension between, uh, you know, the romantic heart of the man and then uh, the kind of position and almost restriction to sex in his love life? So I would say that in college, uh, I came face to face with this sense of being young internally uh, and and not having a lot of resources to begin to engage manhood with and unfathered, you could say. There's a sense that school had a, a natural cadence that kept going into college for me and really required not much of me other than showing up and doing the schoolwork, which you you sort of get, you know, I don't know, fourth grade, yeah. uh, sixth grade, somewhere in there. But there was something of the dating of college that took on a more seriousness. Amanda, I, th- I would say really the relationship with Amanda and the pursuit of Amanda is where a lot of this was brought to me or brought to my attention um, in my heart. So um, Amanda was the hot girl on campus. Um, as I wrote at the beginning of that article, she was the cute girl on campus that I had this crush on. And um, we had different majors. And so we didn't see each other all that often. But when we would, it would be a momentous moment for me. And I began to realize I didn't know how to pursue a woman. And, and found that there was a lack of courage in me, I guess you could say, that moved me towards her. Uh, to begin a relationship. And that seemed to set this tone in our relationship. Um, The article I wrote about the beginnings of our story together. Um, As we'd started to date, I found that the the best I could do was get physical with her. It it seemed like that's all I knew to do was to make out uh, or pursue her physically. And the category of pursuing her heart, um, I felt very, very, very lost with how to do that Um, or even that that was a thing to do. And there was a sense that something was missing, but I didn't know how to name it. And so as our relationship progressed, I guess I thought that marriage sort of came like something that blows in the wind to you, like you wake up in the mood to be married. I didn't know how you move towards marriage. Uh, it was an odd kind of almost amnesia of like, what, what, how do you do this thing called romance? So Amanda at some point brought up with me, hey, I feel kind of nervous in this relationship. Like we get physical, but that's all we do. Like what else is this about? Um, and um, had, which sent me reeling into this question of, there's something more that I don't know what to name. So we actually broke up for um, a year. It was your father who instigated that step for us. And with this sense of saying, I am pretty uninitiated as a man. There's this thing missing that I don't know what how to do with a woman. And that thing is called pursuit, romance, um, and has a whole other category inside of me, which is initiation and fathering. Um, I mean, in other words, it, it fits this bigger story of what's missing in me. So that's a, a very long answer to your question. But 
it was a conversation with your father that initiated me taking a year off of dating completely to find that other part of me that had never developed. Man, the young the young boy in me that like is empathizing with you and is in that room or like whatever you guys are having that conversation with Amanda saying, I I want more. I think we're only do we're hitting this and is this all we are? And there's this part of my stomach that like actually goes, oh gosh, like, oh yeah. no. Because I feel like the natural reaction in that moment would be would be to separate, but not to go pursuing what that what's missing. It would be, oh, I'm lacking here and I'm out and I don't know what that is. Yeah. And well, see, I guess I'm not good enough as yeah. opposed to stepping away, not trying to kind of like grit it out and fabricate something overnight, but it going, no, I'm going to go in pursuit of whatever that is. Like, Yeah, we could almost just stop right there. Seriously. Because the fact that you were able to identify and the pieces were arranged in your story that you were able to identify that romance is something that a man does. Romance is a quality uh, of the initiated, of the mature man, and that therefore, like, the best step you could take in pursuing a woman and pursuing how to be in a relationship with women was actually to turn and to develop uh, your soul as a man, uh, develop your maturity, that on its own is uh, just an exceptional concept. I think that, so I like, I never dated ever <laughs> um, <laughs> until, you know, a short stint at the senior year of like college. But for me, the way it expressed itself is I was, I think, similarly aware that I could see what romance was and could imagine the kinds of things that were supposed to happen between a man and a woman. But for a really long time, I just didn't, I didn't think that it was something that I was capable of. But I also don't think that I connected that it was something that was going to come out of like my processes of maturity and like confidence and initiation. And fortunately, those things happened. And then like inadvertently, much further down the line, I found myself kind of operating in a relationship with Emily in a way that I was like, oh my gosh. Like, this is, I didn't do this on purpose. A person could, uh, but I found myself, like, feeling ready to do this. But most of the story was, like, um, simply choosing, like, not to move towards it at all because of this feeling of, like, a gap in me of a capacity that hadn't been developed yet that was crucial to loving a woman. Yeah. And so what I would ask is, what were the things that the father needed to develop in you in order to be someone who could relate with Amanda? Well, I think, first of all, um, it's simply the awareness of my own heart, um, that I have a heart, that it is on a journey. You know, maybe it begins with a kind of self-care, strangely. Um, in other words, it wasn't that I went and read a bunch of books and you know, learned what romance is. It, it was far more her questions to me of, hey, you're really good at making out with me. Uh, I don't know where this relationship is going. It begged the question of where am I going? And, or at least that's where it took me of, I don't know where my life is going. And that cascaded into other questions about just the journey of my own heart. And so 
to some degree, it began with just simply um, beginning to attend to my own heart and its journey. From there, so I took this year off of dating and and broke up with Amanda, broke her heart, and said basically, you know, I acted like the man, but I can't be the man. You know, I've been dating you, but I can't, like, I can't do this. Um, I don't actually have yet what it takes to go further. And so we broke up for a year and I lived in this house with four other guys. And um, I make a joke that I saw maybe two other women that whole year. So largely it, it, it was an investment in cultivating um, a lot of relationships with men and, and really just asking lots of questions about the journey of um, becoming a man, spent a lot of time with God. So there was a lot of movement towards my own heart for a long season, which let me then have an awareness that she has a heart. And and so some of the questions then began to naturally come because we did get back together, obviously, a year later. And there, there was just more of a natural sense of, you know, romance is nothing more, as I say in there, than the adventure of love, um, and the, the adventure of pursuit. Uh, I think it can look like, or at least there's this setup. I mean, goodness, we're talking on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a cultural setup to spend uh, money and, and cards and flowers and um, chocolates and, you know, all of the accoutrements of what they would call romance. Um, but, uh, and, and those things can add flair, I suppose, to romance. But I think it's nothing more than just pursuing another person's heart in this case, you know, pursuing Amanda's heart, which I began to have an awareness of because of my own heart. Yeah, I'm struck by like the the cultural aspect and even in Blaine's story of like knowing that romance is this is a thing, knowing that it's like probably poetry and and taking on a phenomenal picnic date and, and all these <laughs> sorts of things. And they they sound like romance. And almost like if you're successful in those forms of romance, the appropriate response feels like from the woman to offer more sexuality. It feels like you if you read me poetry or if you bring me chocolates, if you, you know, buy me some nice underwear, then like I get sex out of this. And that's clearly what you want in offering this. Yeah. And yet it seems to be like what you're insinuating. And obviously I know the answer that I'm asking. So it, it, I'm kind of leading you down like, is it this? Um, that maybe romance is actually deeper than just the the sexual response. That there's something more than just, I read you poetry. I took you on a nice date. Like Blaine could, you know, take a girl out and go, okay, I don't know what pursuing is, but I know what kind of romancing is. And then the goal ends up being making out in the back of a car and you're like, wait, I think that what you when you say romance and you say relationship, there's actually, and you say heart, there's something deeper going on there than just the end goal being, you know, a better time even in bed with your wife. Yeah. I mean, certainly we live in a culture which, you know, many have labeled a hookup culture where that is the expectation that, like, you know, even on a first date, that there should be some physical, I don't know, gift, payment. (laughs) Yes. Um, At the end. And, oh, what an awkward thing. 
to to know so much about somebody's body and know so little about their heart. You could drop the mic after something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a phenomenal. Like, what an awkward thing to know so much about someone's body and so little about their heart. Yeah, and I I mean I have the advantage that I'm a therapist, so I talk with lots of people at, through their journeys. But I think that might have been a direct quote from one of my clients. Who um, <laughs> seriously? And we will keep him anonymous. But that is what our culture, I mean, Tinder, dating apps, that it can feel like for whatever reason, there's this um, momentum in our culture towards simply the physical outcome. It's, I mean, it's really like distilling drugs. Um, it, it feels. Yeah, it feels like basically the creation of a surrogate for intimacy of um, having lost so deeply the meaning of so many terms that are actually supposed to kind of give us coordinates in our experiences, lovers. And they've become so meaningless uh, that what really does traffic is really cheap. Um, as you're just saying, like the creation of a hookup culture, um, the creation of kind of standards of dating and tropes of romance to like give you a little ability to operate in relationship with other people. But even at the beginning when you said that, I don't know your exact words were, but that romance is the adventure of loving a person or romance is the adventure even of life with a person. Um, that is a much more monumental uh, definition of what like romance and intimacy is meant to be in a person's life. I know I, I think of like the opportunities that I have to talk with younger guys and there's that that perennial thing uh, in a young man's life, which is like he is built to be a lover. He is built for romance and he is built with this thing, sexuality. And yet walking those things out feels really convoluted. And again, your suggestion that like the best thing that you can do for your heart as a lover, the best thing you could do for your sexuality is develop your heart as a man is um, totally counter, I think, to the advice that would usually circulate in any masculine circle, which would be a little more like, well, you know, like, learn about romance. I'm throwing up air quotes here, folks. You know, learn, like, better tips for dating, learn better tips for conversation versus, like, no, learn more of the topography of your heart learn more about your desire, uh, learn more about how a woman is meant to come alive in the world, and that's going to begin producing consequences uh, in your relationships as a lover. When I think about um, ways that we think of becoming a man um, outside of our very particular context, it's it's a lot like websites like Art of Manliness. It's kind of, what are the what's the great duvet cover for your bed and like the way to make your man cave not smell like a man cave and the way to look kind of sharp. And it's all these, you know, things, these grooming techniques. It's almost kind of like leading to the bedroom essentially. And yet when I hear even like, you know, you we're talking about developing your heart as a man and romance, the word romance in this context is almost evoking more of like a backpacking trip to me. Like it, it, almost, it almost feels like a trip into the mountains rather than like, I'm going to go to the barber, get groomed up. I'm going to make sure my, my socks are clean and I'm going to, you know, invite you over for a nice dinner that I've learned how to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a set, like when you say romance and adventure, I think wilderness. 
Yes. And I think, you know, maybe the dinner is a great beginning, but then what? And so even, you know, as I shared, I was well on the track towards the hookup culture. And that was sort of the ethos that with which I was pursuing Amanda. Like, I asked you out, we go on dates, and then we make out, right? And that this is just what we do. But as um, she pointed out, well, there's this lack, well, like sort of like, then what? So good. So you've had the dinner and it went well. I, I love the image of a backpacking trip as sort of keep going from the dinner date. What are you going to do next? It's meant to keep going deeper. Going back just a bit in your story, I want to ask, when did you know or when did you hit the point where you felt that you were ready to move back into relationship with Amanda? What were some of the major thresholds and signposts there that you felt like your heart was in a place where you could uh, be romantic again? Well, I had this um, commitment of a year. So there was a bit of an, an you know, a, a line in the sand, I guess you could say, or a date on the calendar. But far more, there was a sense of what I had gained in that year was a better sense of direction um, and not necessarily like a plan for my life, but a sense, first of all, a, a deeper relationship with God in terms as a father. And these markers from him of a trail that we were walking, he and I. So there was a, sen- a, a, a clear sense of where I was going with my life, at least in the next year, couple of years. And I, I think I would simply say I felt like um, I owned my life more. Uh, like I was less just sort of bobbing along in the water and more like, oh, okay. I, I think I like I'm supposed to do something with this life. And that involved, you know, relationship with God was deeper. I felt like I had good friendships, deeper friendships with men that it didn't feel like Amanda was the only thing I was doing. <laughs> like relationship with her was the thing that my life oriented around. It felt like there was like I had a life, like there was other things afoot in my life. And I had a sense that God was taking me places. Not that I, again, knew the plan of everything that was coming, but God had moved a couple pieces around in my life. So there was a sense of a developing story with him. So I felt far more like I want a companion and not, um, you know, Amanda being um, the story that my whole life served. It, It felt like I had something to invite her into, to come along with in, and again, just this sense of, I knew my heart more, so I knew how to pursue a heart. I was like, oh, oh, I get this. I know, I know how to ask questions and ask a second question and ask a third question and have four-hour conversations. I, yeah, I'm so struck by like the two opposite ends of the spectrum there, where it's like either relationship and romance is so casual that you end up knowing a person intimately physically and not at all emotionally and and frankly probably multiple people um in the in the dating hookup culture or if you're moving towards someone it's the opposite where they sort of become your world and and they are the ultimate attainment even if 
there's not the language of the heart or adventure yet. It's still like your world gets really, really small to that person. And yet you're sort of describing like this, I wanted someone to go on this journey with. Um, to It's not, you weren't everything and yet you weren't nothing. Like you are, mm-hmm. you're integral to this and integral to the ways that I've like, I needed to figure out what direction I was going. Like that, that alone could be its own podcast of mm-hmm. like how you're, you're using these words. Like I understood my own heart more. And there's a part of me that goes, yeah, wow, what does that look like? I mean, is that reading books? Is that you know, spending time in the wilderness? Is that relationship with God? Is that actually just kind of digging back in your own story going, oh, I respond to these things and I need these things. And I'm learning to have the language of heart. Like, even that's a category that is a well, like we kind of drop that pebble down there and it echoes and echoes and you're like, okay, wow. So once I've done exploring a little bit of that, and certainly a little bit is a thousand times more than most of us do or, or most people do, then you're able to go into this other well that is the other, that is in your case, Amanda, and begin kind of that mutual exploration forward that just sounds so good and so different from the two options that it was like the flippant and the obsessed. That sense of the flippant or the obsessed. I, I think that um, it seems that that's where men, we as men get caught or at least where where the culture has us, the picture of masculinity. Because there's this sense of women are transcendent, right? Their beauty there. I mean, that's, that's marketing. That's just the, the ungodly amount of pornography sites that exist that, that it, it feels like that's men's spirituality in a lar- in our larger culture. <clears throat> but then simultaneously, there's the consumption the, it's almost like they coexist um, and ride so closely together. There's the it offers transcendence, but then quickly requires more, um, more pornography, another woman, another hookup. Hmm. So it may feel flippant, but actually it becomes obsession. It be like, it does steal some part of you. Yeah. Returning to that theme of direction, of uh, orientation being one of the vital prerequisites for uh, navigating relationship with a woman and relationship with like women generally. It sounds like something Dad would say, but it was actually Craig who kind of would sometimes regularly say to me like, "Things make sense in terms of the trajectory. Things make sense in terms of you know." He wouldn't use the language of story going on, but it was more like the destiny, and it was the idea that. Every one of our relationships and even our work um, can only really be understood, begin to take on meaning or become knowable when we actually understand the story within which we're situated, like the direction we're going, what our role is. And that might not mean like, oh, I know what my role is. I'm going to be a leader in Christian organizations, and so I'm going that direction. But you at least have enough pieces uh, as a young man to know like, okay, well, I know that I am an artist, warrior, visionary, disciple. Like you have things that 
give you a direction and I'm going to do these things to develop myself in those identities to be able to live them out. And suddenly when you're doing that, things like relationship with uh, a woman kind of have the ability to take on meaning, to make sense in terms of a mission together. You know, thinking again of, man, it is it is difficult to date or to be in relationship with a woman in, I really think, like the whole swath of uh, your educational years. Uh, because whatever level of momentum you have, there's still like what you described as bobbing. Um, there's a lot of like your context is ranged for you. Like you, you know, like kind of within with four year horizons, like the in quotes direction you're going, which is like <laughs> towards your major, um, and and it can feel like it's supplying a lot of that orientation and a lot of that mission, um, but it's actually pretty ephemeral, um, and it's not answering some of like the larger questions about like how your current situation as a student fits into your larger situation as a man, and how. Within that story, suddenly your relationships with your peers and your girlfriend as like allies and lovers begin to make sense. Just that core piece yeah. of until there's some level, it feels like, of direction, there is always going to be a measure of aimlessness in your relationships with the women in your life. I would say even if what's known is simply the need to explore that question. Like you said, you might not be able to say, I'm an artist or gosh, I have a heart for human trafficking or building things. Oh, or gosh, I really want to help businesses thrive and and pursue business. You might not have those deeper convictions, but I, I would say even just knowing that those need to be explored can be a sense of direction in itself. And so to give a little context, I broke up with Amanda to take this year off three weeks before we graduated from college. And so it was a baptism by fire to end that relationship, graduate, and have no sense of direction. And so some of that year was simply having to hold that question of what is out here that I want to give my life to? And and maybe that's even in itself enough direction initially. Um, not that you you necessarily know, uh, you know, a defined trajectory, but just I'm going to go explore the world and find out what's worth giving my life to. That in itself could be enough to say now I have a greater sense that this woman isn't going to be that in herself. Yes. That that somehow we're going to be companions in that exploration. Um, um, and that that would be a question we'll ask between each other is, you know, can we share this mission? Yes. There's, I mean, probably in many guys' stories, a swath of moments they find themselves in. And a, a lot of them, it is that post-college on the or on the edge of college or college is just passed by and, and they're stepping towards this woman. And then there's some people plenty of people who kind of do step into marriage and do create that that story for themselves without having understood their own hearts or understood their their wife's hearts and you know things are things aren't easy in marriage and I hated people when they would say that to me I'm like oh, marriage is not meant to make you happy it's meant to make you holy I'm like no it must make you super happy and it's fine if I get holy as a byproduct that sort of felt like very condescending and not very helpful 
and yet like it's beautiful and difficult in, the, in many of the same ways that like a trip in the mountains is like it's hard but it's demanding good things of you for those people who haven't actually waded into those waters or those caves or begun to understood their own hearts that are wife's heart like i'm curious what romance looks like for them and that journey looks like for them and even to maybe partially answer that what romance looks like for you and Amanda now as, you know, parents of three young boys in a new context and having pursued each other over the last few years, like what does romance look like? And how are ways that you cultivate that in your marriage as a, at a very different season now than when you were just about to graduate? Mm. Well, let me start generally and then I'll speak to us. Um, within that, I would say, you know, you could be 30 years into marriage and pick up this path of romance simply by being far more curious about your own heart. You know, I think couples find a way to subsist, I guess you could say, and you could function together for 30 years of marriage, I would guess. And um, there, I think there's always room for more romance. And there's always, I would say, the opportunity or offer of romance simply by beginning to pick up the path of your own your own story, your own journey with your heart. So I think any movement deeper into your heart, I think the fruit of that will be a greater ability to go there with others. So the the deeper I'm becoming aware of my own story and journey with my heart – I'm, there's there's naturally going to be a desire to want to know that within the people around me. So I, that could be 30 years into marriage. That could be like for me, you know, a couple of weeks before I was graduating college. So the question, what does romance look like for Amanda and I? We're now, oh, mercy, 14 years into marriage with three little boys this morning Actually, last night, we both looked at each other and said, we didn't get, I didn't get you anything for Valentine's Day. (laughs) And I said, oh, love, I didn't get you anything either. Um, We got the boys a bunch of little gifts and and such, but that feels a little like a man fail, but uh, on Valentine's Day of all days. Can I confess that I haven't, we had the same conversation yesterday. <laughs> we just haven't talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> but the beautiful part is there's, I think in this season, it looks like a lot of conversations of support. How are you doing? How was your day? Um, but not just, oh, good. Um, like what? What did you go through today? Because a lot of water goes under the bridge these days with little ones and us trying to carry, gosh, all the plates that are spinning and take care of all the adulting, as we could say, that is required in a day. Uh, So a lot of it is asking the questions, how are you doing Um, in in a longer form? So being able to share the things that have stirred her heart during the day or troubled her heart or... Um, gifts that she received in the day, um, things that were a gift to her, that sort of thing. It looks like a lot of sharing the journey, just companions and uh, teammates. Um, I have some friends in Seattle. They have this cheesy line, but it's cool, that they uh, they also have kids. And 
will say to each other, teamwork makes the dream work. And it's like this little high five mantra that they share with each other. Teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work. That's beautiful. And so <laughs> as they, you know, tag each other in for a, a, a round with the kids. So it looks a lot like that. And there's some fruit to just watching our boys thrive. That's adventure right now for us. Um, adventure doesn't take us very far in a car because we can't go very far without a, a child crying, uh, as you guys probably know very well. And and so, it you know, it's day trips to actual hikes and things like that. You know, going to Costco and succeeding in getting out of Costco and, you know, buying food. <laughs> and we have all the children and, you know, they're doing well or singing. I mean, that there's, um, uh, you know, there's something about that that can feel like shared adventure, strangely. No, that totally counts, man. The Costco example especially. <laughs> I mean, like there's a – the barometer in that seems not to be, is this epic? Is this Instagram worthy? But like are we doing well? Like not just are we surviving and getting through the day? How was your day? Good. Did we get through shopping? Well, there was a meltdown and like we got it done. But like are we doing well? Yeah, seems to be the the barometer. Yes, and and continuing to ask the question of my wife, what are your dreams? What are your desires within? Because it can feel like there's no time um, to to ask those questions. So that's where it feels like our hearts come alive these days is in those questions. You know, so after you get home from Costco and the kids are in bed, being able to ask, what are you dreaming of for the spring? What's God teaching your heart? Um, what's been stirring your heart? Those kinds of questions, it feels like, is where romance happens. I love that you say that because I just know, especially inside our marriage right now with the first little one, those questions also feel really risky when we're already feeling like all of the meters are pegged and and yet feeling like Jesus' uh, invitation to be like, ask your wife what I have for her. Like, ask her, like, what she'd love to do. And I'll, like, feel the stakes there of, like, yeah, but we we have no time. Like, if she looks at me and she's like, yeah, like, I want to write more, which is what's kind of been on her heart recently. It's like, man, that is awesome. That is so, it feels like so hard to architect for in our life right now. Um, And yet we are able to in spite of the fact that it's like, man, we just don't have margin. Like there's already a lot going on. And yet there is, you're right, this like kind of epic thing that Jesus keeps doing. She's like, keep asking, like ask her about her dreams. Ask her about what she hopes for in her life with me, like this week, even though it kind of feels like all the time is spoken for. And like, it would kind of be better just to like push the clutch in a little bit and be like, She's watching Alish while I'm at work, like at home, and we like tag team, and like that's our life right now, and that's enough. Um, but that invitation into like harder and larger things continually is true for us of one of the places that like God is keeping that adventure moving. I love that. So my wife is an artist, and similar questions have arisen for us. Of she's had to largely put down. Her, the craft of her art. She loves to oil paint. But the question of what she would like is six to eight hours a day in a studio. 
right? That that's in our backyard that she woke up and drank her coffee and walked to the studio for six hours. I mean, I think that would be some kind of idyllic scene, but still fighting for she her art instructor getting getting her to her art instructor once a month. You know, like you have this whole evening off. Go do that. Or sending her away for chunks of uh, here's a couple hours you can disappear. It feels like so little compared to the desire that's there, but it, it's something. It's something to subsist on. It's amazing how much you can subsist on um, when you have a little for your dream. For those of you listening, you can find out and read more of what Sam's been up to and postulating at samjolman.com. He's got a blog there. And uh, he's also writes for us on the magazine a couple of times a year. So it's a, it's a pleasure to have him. This was fun. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. You need to be sure to subscribe now and follow us on social media under Ann Sons Magazine. And of course, for articles and films, check out annsonsmagazine.com.